Father, I'm excited about the stirring that's happening and the involvement of some really good people that love you and want to see your kingdom built. And I thank you for Kevin and Hearts with a Mission and Safe Families and Embrace Oregon and Edgewater and how we can be involved in these things, getting upstream, pushing back darkness. I pray that you would continue to lead and guide the elders, the pastors, deacons, leaders at Edgewater, that you would raise up the right person that would be able to handle all these intricacies and, and interface with DHS and embrace Oregon and hearts with a mission and safe families, allowing us to take the gifts and talents that you've given to us and use them for the good works in grants past, Lord God. And we pray, Lord, for families that are at risk even now that we know personally, Lord God, we're connected to them already. We pray that there would be an awakening in the people of God, that we can be those that do Galatians 6.1. We that are spiritual, come alongside those that are burdened and, and beat down by this world and by our enemy. And we bear that burden with them. They, we walk with them, sharing in that load. May we be those that do that, Lord God. And may we reap from that the good reward that, Lord, you are not a debtor to anyone. That you will reward those that labor for you as you promise us in your scripture. May we be reaping the incredible reward of partnering with King Jesus and building the kingdom in Grant's past, Lord. And so I thank you, Lord, for vision and for clarity and for what we're supposed to do. And now I pray that we would do it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Okay. So we are beginning today what's called the Dirty Dozen. And it's 12 subjects that are kind of culturally a little bit sensitive or a little bit difficulty. Next week, just to give you a heads up, you can get this if you want to. The next one is sexuality. So if you bring your kids in or if you're uncomfortable with that kind of a topic, um, it, it, no, it, everything I'm going to talk about is in the Bible, all right? But the Bible's not G-rated. Do you have you noticed that? It's not even PG. It's not even PG-13 at times. So I'm just going to be reading the Bible on certain sections. But what I read in the Bible may make your child uncomfortable or may make you uncomfortable for your child. Your child probably is not uncomfortable. You'll be uncomfortable for your child. So um, you may just keep that as a heads up. I'll remind you next week as well. Uh, today we're doing marijuana. So if you live in Grants Pass and you're not in, under a rock or something or plugging your ears, you know that last year in Oregon we legalized recreational use of marijuana. So that's going to affect us as a society, as a people. It just is. Decisions that we make as a people voting in things, it has certain long-term ramifications. So I personally, I want to be informed scripturally on as a believer, how do I interface with that? What am I supposed to do? All right? 
So I'm getting these questions now from people, and I've kind of categorized them and written them down, and that's how I want to introduce this subject. And here they are. I've just written them down. Number one question I get from people is this. Isn't marijuana safer than alcohol? Have you heard that one? Here's what I say. Oxytoxin is safer than heroin. Big deal, right? Just because something is safer doesn't mean it's better than you, right? Skydiving is safer than driving in your car. So what? All right? That's not the question. Number two, pot is legal now, so it's okay for Christians to use it, right? All right, based on that line of reasoning, I could be an alcoholic, adulterous, deceitful, pill-popping, hate-filled, porn-watching person and still be okay according to our government, right? Legality is not equate with morality, right? The government is not God. There might be individuals in the government that think they are God, but the government is not God. So just because the government is okay with it does not mean God's okay with it. So you have to ask that question. God, are you okay with that, right? Number three, pot has medicinal qualities, so it's good for you, right? Opium has medicinal qualities. Cocaine has medicinal qualities. That's not the problem. It's the drawbacks. What are the drawbacks of it? Tylenol has medicinal qualities. But if you take Tylenol all the time, it will rot your liver liver, and you'll die. So you have to ask bigger questions. Okay, it has medicinal qualities, but what are some of its other chemicals and what do those chemicals do to me and what will they do to me long term? Bible questions. So here's what Christians say. Pot is never mentioned in the Bible, but wine is. So you can have a glass of wine, but you can't smoke pot. Have you heard that one? Okay, coffee is never mentioned in the Bible. What about caffeine? So I guess DB, they're a bunch of drug dealers, and we're a bunch of druggies. We all need to repent. You you can't make statements like that. You have to think those through wider than okay. It didn't mention it because possibly it wasn't there. I don't know. Okay, our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, and marijuana is bad for the temple. So is sitting at your desk. In fact, they're finding being seated at your desk is going to be the number one killer of people. So don't sit at your desk anymore, right? Sugar is bad for you. I have a saying, sugar is from Satan and fiber is from the Father. (laughs) So no ice cream, only lentils. I stole half of that from Kate Scudstadt. So you got to ask, okay, well, don't do anything bad, right? Car exhaust is bad for you. Causes cancer, according to California. According to California, everything causes cancer. Don't do anything, right? No, okay. So there's all these kind of questions. And my thing is, the question is much more nuanced than these answers that we tend to give. And we need to think it through, really think through. And as a Christian, I want to be informed by the Bible. Okay, what does the Bible say on these things? How do I get informed from a Christian standpoint on issues that are, yeah, marijuana-related, but even wider than that, okay? So, I want to make something very clear from Scripture. I'm just going to read some verses to you and see if you can pick out the theme. The first one is Luke 21, 34. This is Jesus. But watch yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with dissipation 
and drunkenness and the cares of, the, of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Be careful. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. 1 Timothy 3.2 Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard. Titus 2.2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfast. Older women, likewise. Verse 6. Likewise, urge the young men to be self-controlled. 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4.7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I go on and on. The scripture is clear. As believers, we're to be clear-minded. Why? Well, Peter says because you have a real enemy. We're soldiers, and soldiers have to be sober or else they become a casualty. We're to be sober-minded. So that, I think, includes anything that clouds the judgment and perception of believers. Well, Matt, here's the pushback I get. Matt, what about pain? What about pain? If you think this through and like this line of reasoning, get a book. And I really love this book. It's by a guy, his name is Dr. Paul Brand. And the book title is called The Gift of Pain. Dr. Paul Brand, he was this amazing man that worked with leprosy patients in India. And he's the guy that finally figured out leprosy doesn't kill your body. It kills your ability to feel. And when you can't feel, you keep injuring yourself over and over and over again until that part of your body is so damaged, it just is, it rots off or gets, it just never heals. So you have this festering wound and it just goes on and on and on. And it's just a brilliant book. So he talks about how he discovered this. Um, He would bring in these leprosy patients and they would come into his clinic. And the first thing he would do is he'd kind of catalog them like, what were they missing? Well, this guy's missing his right toe and his left finger and his ear or whatever. So they'd, they'd keep kind of a, uh, a running list of what was missing on these people. And they'd come into his clinic 
and he would notice in the morning, instead of missing one finger, they'd be missing two fingers. So then he went to their beds and like tried to find the finger in the bed. It's gone. And this kept happening. So finally they had a guy sit in that little hospital room all night. And here's what he noticed. About midnight, all these rats appeared. And it's hot in India. So you just sleep with your hands out and your feet out. And these rats would come and they begin to chew on the fingers of these people with leprosy or on the toes of these people with leprosy and they'd eat them away, but because they could not feel, they wouldn't do anything. So he said, the solution to this is from that point on, every leprosy patient was given a gift. Guess what it was? A kitty cat. Brilliant. You get a cat, love this cat, it's going to protect you, all right? You go to bed with this cat, you live with this cat. So he, in this book, categorizes how good pain is. And then he shows there is these, these, he just gives a list of them, these great men of old that had intense pain, but because of their pain, it actually drove them to greatness. Have you heard of Immanuel Kant? If you took a philosophy class in college, he is considered to be one of the greatest philosophers ever. He had incredibly painful gout. The only way he could get his mind off the pain was to concentrate on philosophy, and he concentrated so much on philosophy that he forgot he was in pain. And it gave him an ability to think so highly. You read his stuff, you're like, man, that dude's smart. Well, pain drove him that way. Blaise Pascal, 400 years ago. He is the guy that's credited with, really, the invention of the computer. So if you like your iPhone 6, be thankful for Blaise Pascal. He had acute facial neuralgia, just this painful disease that actually killed him very early. And the only way that he could get over the pain was to concentrate on his mathematics. And he would concentrate so intensely, he'd forget about his pain and then do incredible work. Robert Schumann, a composer. The only way he had chronic pain, the only way he could get over his pain, once again, was to concentrate on correcting his scores. And he'd be so involved in his music and so, so intrinsic to it that he'd completely forget he was in pain. And he just goes on and on and on and on. We as a society, we're very different. We have decided in America, and you can talk to doctors, and I do, that pain is bad. All pain is bad. That's what we've decided. Forbes magazine just recently said, America has the lowest pain tolerance of any society ever. We just won't take pain, right? So I have an article, and you can Google it. It's from the New York magazine, which is a left-leaning magazine. And the article is, it's this, it's titled, Who's Responsible for the pain pill epidemic. It's fascinating when you read this thing. It, it, it's gut-wrenching on the other side. And here's some of the, the statistics that are given. Um, for instance, America is 5% of the world's population. We consume 99% of the world's Vicodin. We consume 80% of oxycodone, which is an oxycotton and Percocet, and 65% of Dilaudid. We are absolutely at a place as a society where we say, Pain is bad. I don't believe pain is bad. I think pain is a gift from God, and it's telling you there's something wrong, right? If I have a pain in my foot, and it's a nail, I don't pop a pill, I pull the nail out. But where we're at today is we don't want to examine ourselves, and we don't want to think clearly on things. We just say, I want this pain to go away. But God, I think, has given us pain, and it's emotional pain, spiritual pain, 
physical pain, to say something's wrong. That's the whole book. The whole book, like Dr. Paul Brand, is when you have pain, it's your body, your spirit telling you something's wrong. Check it out. All right? When you don't, things go south. I'll give you an example from my own life. My older brother, Chris, um, for anyone that knew him, he was probably the most gifted natural leader I've ever known. Like, he, he would gather around him people that would do anything for him. Like, just fierce, he was, an earnest, he was a shackleton of his time. So, um, like, at one point in his life, my older brother decided, I'm selling everything. I'm buying a horse and a mule and some supplies, and I'm going to go live in the Kalmyopsis wilderness. Right? That's a little nutty. All these guys were like, me too. I'm like, why? Is he paying you? No, it's cool. I'm like, no, it is not. You will go there and you will die. My brother won't because he's tough. You're going to die. Like, he just get people to do this. Just, you're like, how in the world does he do that? Just naturally gifted leader. But my older brother started smoking pot in his early teens. Just, it, I could never figure it out. It's never been my thing. Never understood it. And, and I would talk to him. I'd ask him, dude, why? Why do you always smoke pot? And the older he grew, the more he began to say, Matt, I cannot function without pot. I cannot function without smoking every morning, smoking during the day. I cannot function. You don't understand it. And, and, I, and I would probe him, and I would ask him, and I'd, you know, it didn't make sense to me. I knew it was just, it was taking away something from him, right? Well, here's what I found out after he died. I never knew this when he was alive. I mean, he was molested when he was a little boy. And that's about the time he started smoking pot. So there was a wound in him, a pain in him, and he started self-medicating. And the problem with self-medication is this. As a pastor, what I found is when you start self-medicating, it's like your maturity stops. So I deal with these young men, and they're self-medicating, and they've been doing it for 5, 6, 10, 15 years, and it's like emotionally and spiritually, they're still 15 years old because God gives us certain difficult things to go through in life, and the way that we mature is by perseverance through them. That's how you get stronger. That's how you, but if instead you say, forget it, I'm not going to go through that. I'm not going to evaluate that pain. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to self-medicate. Then instead of maturing, it's like you just get stunted right then and there. You've got to be real careful when it comes to pain. Paul put it like this. It's 2 Corinthians 12. It's verse 7. And it's the phrase that catches me. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. How interesting is that? And I prayed three times that it might be taken away from me. He doesn't say, I was cursed with this thorn in the flesh. I was bludgeoned with this thorn in the flesh. He said, I was given this gift of a thorn in the flesh. Why does he say that? Because of what it produced. Because if you read on, he has this revelation from God. He perseveres through it. He endures it. And then he learns this from God where God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. One of the greatest revelations in scripture is given to Paul when? When he went through pain and he persevered through it. He didn't say, man, I got to smoke some marijuana. I cannot deal with this. He said, I'm going to persevere through this. And because he did, we, billions of people, have been blessed by the very words of a man who endured through a difficulty. I think too often 
we just get out. And here's what breaks my heart as a pastor. The majority of people I'm dealing with and talking with on marijuana, guess, who, guess what gender they are? Boys. Men. Do you know that men are falling behind right now? Like never before. Unprecedented in history. The majority of people graduating from high school, girls. 70% of valedictorians, girls. 60% of all college grads, girls. Now, I'm proud of the girls. Praise God for them. But what's happening to the boys? If you look at unemployment numbers, the majority of those unemployed are, guess what? Men. And so now we've got this new thing that's now boys are beginning to smoke pot. I think, oh my goodness. Will there be any men for my daughters to marry? Will there be a man that I will be glad to give my daughter to? Because it seems like good men are going the way of the dodo bird. Right? It's sad to me. It's tragic to me. And here's, here's, if you study this at all, here's what they're finding. If you start smoking marijuana when you're 30 years old, there are short-term effects to your brain, such as memory loss, learning prevention, diminished problem-solving skills, reduced motor coordination. Columbia University has this classic study where they found that you are twice as likely to get an automobile accident after you've smoked pot than if you're not. So you have all these things, right? But if you're 30 years old starting smoking pot, you have those effects, but if you stop, they're almost all reversible. Your brain heals. But you take that same person and make them 15 years old, they're finding that there are long-term, irreversible changes to the brain. Your brain's still developing. And it changes. Here's what happens to you. A 15-year-old. Number one, a decreased verbal memory. What'd you say? <laughs> Lower processing speed. What'd you say? Decreased memory span. What did you say? And more and more and more. And those things, they don't reverse out because your brain has been changed because it's still developing. And here's where things get really bad. In every case where marijuana is recreationally legalized, teen use goes up. There's not a case where it has not happened. Look at Alaska, look at Europe. There is not a case where once we say as a society, it is okay for you to smoke marijuana recreational, that teens don't say, okay, I'm smoking too. And there's irreparable damage under their brain. And so something in that breaks my heart that the majority of Oregonians have said, you know, we're okay with that. We're okay with that. Look at unemployment. I mean, workforce numbers. People that smoke marijuana are 55% more likely to cause an accident. 85% more likely to be injured, and they have a 75% increase in absenteeism rate. So a company that's thinking, hey, where should I move my my company? Should I relocate? I'm not relocating to Oregon. So there's just these these things that it just just breaks my heart when it comes to marijuana. And we, 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 we peg it on pain, and I think that's wrong. Pain is a symptom. Look at the cause. Evaluate that, right? Well, what about chronic pain, Matt? People that are in chronic pain, what about them? 
My stance on that is there are legitimate uses to marijuana, but there are tons and tons of abuses. And when you open up the door for medicinal use, it's a Pandora's box. Do you know that? So I'll go back to 2008, before Washington legalized it, before Colorado legalized it, before we legalized it. I'm down in Southern California with my family on vacation, and I took them to Venice Beach. We're walking the strip there. Kids, welcome to America. You don't see this in Grand Pass, do you? So here we go. So we're walking the strip, and it was like every other establishment, it seemed like, had this sign out that said the doctor is in, Right? So I'm walking by them, and I st- decided, I'm going to stop and ask this gal how to get a card. So I went over, and this gal, she's doing her flips and whatever, and I said, hey, I want to know how to get a medical mar- marijuana card. She pulls out this laminated list. She just pulls it out. She starts reading. Um, do you have restless leg syndrome? Oh, um, do you have chronic back pain? Um, do you have an inability to pay attention? Right there, I said, hold on, you lost me. She goes, you're in. Right? It's ridiculous. There was, it, it, it might as well just be legal. So I, I think there's this, this Pandora's box. But with that being said, this summer, and you guys probably know this story already, uh, there was five acres, just a couple houses down for a must that was sold. And uh, when the people were moving in, I went down there to introduce myself to them. And, and I go up there, and they've got the RV and the two vehicles. I'm like, hmm. So these two guys kind of come out. One of them you know, the, the, one of them has like tattoos and piercings and everything. And, and I said, hey, my name's Matt Heverly. I'm just, I'm your neighbor down here. I want to say hello. Welcome to the neighborhood. And I, and I said, what are you guys going to do up here? And they said, we're cultivators. Oh, cultivators. I said, well, what are you going to cultivate? They said, oh, anything that makes us money. So I just, you know, I'm going to get this all out there. Do you think marijuana would make you money? And they all kind of smiled and they said, yeah. I said, oh, okay. And they said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor of a church. One of them just walked away. He just went. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. The other dude looked at me and goes, what do you think about what we're doing? I said, I'm a property rights advocate. I believe you have ownership of property. I believe the Bible gives you that when it says thou shalt not steal, that there is rights to property. And if you are doing what you're doing within the legality of the law, I'm not going to say anything about it. He's like, oh, wow, that's cool. He goes, well, what do you think about smoking marijuana? I said, I think God cares about pain. I think Proverbs 31.6 says this, that you give strong drink to him who's perishing. Someone who's perishing and in pain, God says, give them strong drink, ease their pain, that God cares about pain management. I said, if I had my grandma and, and she could be on um, Oxycontin and Percocet and, and all these medications, or she could be on medical marijuana, I'm going to choose medical marijuana a hundred times over those things. I said, absolutely. I said, there are legitimate uses, but I said this to him. I said, but there's tons of abuses. And I looked at him. I said, we as people, we abuse the good things God gives to us. He goes, what do you mean? I said, food. It's a gift from God. Is there abuse of food? Yeah. There's gluttony and bulimia and anorexia. There's all these abuses of this good gift God has given us. Sex. Sex is God's idea, right? We'll talk about that next week. It's God's idea. It's a good idea. God gave it to us. Is there abuses of sex? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Tons of it. So the the problem is this, man. When we, who are created as the very image bearers of God, 
when we try to take anything and fill our image-bearing capacity with it, it's never big enough. We are created too big. We are created for such greatness. We are created for such grandeur that no matter what we try and stuff in that hole, what happens is it's never enough. So what do we do? We got to have more, more food, more sex, more drugs, more marijuana, because they cannot possibly sustain the greatness for which we are created. And this guy just looked at me and goes, I want to talk to you again. Then they started growing and I couldn't go up there because they had bulldogs and shotguns and AK-47s. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> so I, I think there's legitimate uses. So here's what I do, and, I, and I'll try to wrap this up. I know I'm already going long. If I have a 20-year-old that comes to me, and he says, you know, I'm turning 21, and I think I want to start smoking marijuana. Here's what I do. Number one, I say, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? If they're not, we go to Jesus. Gospel. If they are, then what I say right away is, listen, You are an image bearer of God Almighty. Listen, God has created you for good works prepared in advance. God has incredible things for you. That's too small. Don't settle for mud pies. Go for the adventure that God has for you. There's greatness and that will simply temper you. Listen to these, listen to these comments by these guys. These are drug policy experts. Mark Kleinman. He's a drug policy expert at New York University's Marin Institute. He said, quote, the main risk of cannabis is losing control of your cannabis intake. That's going to have consequences in terms of the amount of time you spend not fully functioning. That's when that's hours per day times years. That's bad. Here's another guy, John Calkins, a drug policy expert at Carnegie Mellon University. Quote, at some level, we know that spending more than half of your waking hours intoxicated for years and years on end is not increasing the likelihood that you'll win a Pulitzer Prize or discover the cure for cancer. That's what I say. You're created for greatness. You are created in the image of God. Be an image bearer. Don't settle. And I might buy them the book by John Eldridge. It's called Wild at Heart, where he quotes in there that great quote, all men die, but few men truly live. Man, truly live. Smoking marijuana, you're just making yourself jerky. Don't do that to yourself. Live strong. And then secondly, I take that as an opportunity to look for pain. I start counseling. Why do you want to do this? What's your motivation? What's happened to you, bro? Have you been hurt somehow? Have you been wounded? I have an article, and it's called, I better get the name right in case you want to Google it. It's called The Very Strange Lives of Bud Tenders. That's what they're called now. Not bartenders, bud tenders. Uh, The people that sell legal weed. And, And what was incredibly fascinating, they interviewed all these guys that are, that are selling legal weed. They say this, people come in and they unload on us. My, my marriage is falling apart. Uh, I'm suffering from anorexia. Um, I'm lonely. I'm suicidal. I'm depressed. They, they say it's overwhelming to us sometimes. Well, th- what they're doing is not divorced from life. So instantly, I take this as an opportunity. Bro, what's going on with you? 
Were you wounded somehow? Were you cursed by a teacher or by a parent or by society? Because don't you know, Galatians 3 says, Jesus became a curse for you, that you might become a king or queen of, of the kingdom. That's what you are now. You're not that anymore. Don't want, let one bad event that happened in your childhood mar you for the rest of your life. Be healed. And I go, Colossians 1, this is who you are in Christ Jesus. This is who you are. This is your identity. That's what I do with a 20-year-old. Well, how about someone in chronic pain in a different situation? Well, I had a grandpa come, and his wife on Oxycontin and anti-anxiety, just all this medication. He said, I don't know, because of the stigma about marijuana. I said, put her on marijuana now. Yes, that's legitimate, good use. Absolutely, do that. So yes, Perishing, absolutely, Proverbs 31.6. But young and healthy, it's going to neuter the stallion in you. Don't do it. So here's how I'll conclude. God's on the throne. Do you know that? To me, marijuana, it's an opportunity. It is somebody sending on SOS. Hey, I've been hurt. Something's happened in my life. There's a dissatisfaction. There's something going on. So for me, it's just like, great. I want to take advantage of that. I want to talk with you. I want to walk with you. Now, now you've just given me this wide open door for me to now bring in Jesus Christ and introduce you to the great physician who is the only one that can fill that, the only one that can satisfy you, the only one that is better than life itself and be able to introduce you. So I see it as an opportunity. Thank you. Don't settle for mud pies. Go for an adventure at the sea. But what about your neighbor that's growing if you have one? So this Christmas, my wife and my kids baked goodies for all the neighbors, and we put a little Christmas Eve, uh, that invitation to invite people to our Christmas Eve service, and we handed them out, and I said, hey, to our cultivators, let's make them brownies. (laughs) My wife said, no, let's just give them the mix. (laughs) I said, okay. Well, it turns out, my neighbor, the one that had walked away from me, he had been in a ATV accident. When we had all that snow, um, he'd been coming down his driveway, tried to stop, couldn't, flipped over, took something in the rib, punctured a lung, was in a coma in the hospital. And so I was able, because I did not shut the door, because I did not um, act rudely towards them, because I didn't ruin my witness for once in my life, (laughs) I was able to go to the hospital and talk with him and share with him and talk truth with him. And, and it was a great conversation. Now, if I would have not reacted that way, if I would have lost the big message, which is we're here to build the kingdom and to see people saved and to see lives transformed, and God is able to take what the enemy wants to use for evil and turn it for good, if I'm not thinking that way, then I ruin my witness and there's no opportunity for me to go to a hospital and minister to a neighbor who's in a coma and almost dying. When we leave the door open, We say, God, the servant of the Lord must be kind. And I don't care what they're doing. I'm going to be as kind as I can because I want to see the name of Jesus glorified. That when they send up an SOS, I'm going to use it for God's kingdom. That's our goal. That's our mission. We don't settle for mud pies. We go for the adventure. God, build your kingdom. And so, Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for your willingness to use flawed vessels like me for your kingdom. 
I pray for any in here this day, Lord, that are self-medicating. There's a million ways we do it, Lord. We try to stuff into that pain, into that hole, something to distract us, something to numb us, Lord God. I pray that this day that they would bring that pain to you, the great physician. You're the only one that can heal. You're the only one that can fill. You are the water that always satisfied. You are the bread of life. You're better than life itself. I pray that we would look at those that are turning to marijuana, that we'd look at those individuals as people created in your image who've been hurt, who are feeling empty, who are lonely. We'd look at it as an opportunity, an opportunity to share Jesus, our great physician. So may we do that, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.